0: I'm a big believer in doing things that make you uncomfortable. So we we live in a world that we want to be as comfortable as we can. And we wonder why we have no growth. We, We wonder why when the smallest thing in our life gets difficult, we wonder why we cower and we run away. Because we are kind of living our I mean, our whole life is set up that way. Our whole life is set, set up in, in the path of least resistance. We don't want to suffer. We don't want to feel discomfort. So the whole time, we're living our lives in a very comfortable area. There's no growth in that. So for me, I realized that. The reason I became 297 pounds is because that was comfortable. What was very uncomfortable was running. What was very uncomfortable was being on a diet. What was very uncomfortable was trying to face things that I didn't want to face. And I also realized when I was really big, I had no growth. Why? Because I was living comfortable. So I realized for me to find growth, I had to face all of these different things that made me very, very uncomfortable. One thing I faced was running. I absolutely hated running. But I knew for me to grow, I, wanted, I had to do this thing every single day. I wanted to start callousing my mind. I wanted to start becoming a better person. And how you become a better person, how you gain mental toughness, how you become the person you want to be is constantly facing the things that you don't want to face. If you constantly run away from things that you don't want to face, how is there growth? How is there mental toughness? I can give you a class all day long about self-talk, visualization, eat an elephant one bite at a time. But if you're never putting yourself in a situation, to actually practice these things. You're never going to grow. I can't put you out there in a, we're all going through a battle in our mind. A warrior is not a person that carries a gun. The biggest war you are ever go through is right between your own ears. It's in your mind. We're all going through a war in our mind and we have to callous our mind to fight that war and, and to win that war. So. One example I can give you about callous in your mind about doing things that make you uncomfortable. There's a there, there's a book out there called Lone Survivor, and there's a guy named Marcus Atrill. He was on an operation where a bunch of guys died, and I knew all the guys that died, and I knew Mark, and, and I know Marcus Atrill very well. This story touched my heart, and I basically went out there, found a foundation to raise money for it, called the Special Operations Warrior Foundation. You give 100% tuition for Let's say your dad died in the war. He was a special operator. If that guy had a kid, you get 100% tuition to go to college. Great foundation, great people working at the foundation. I'm gonna do this. So I Googled the 10 hardest races in the world. And at this time in my life, I was not a runner. I maybe ran 10 miles the whole year. I was into bodybuilding, I was into weight training, and that's what I did. So. I Googled the 10 hardest races in the world, and what came up, number one, was this race called the Badwater 135. It's a 135-mile race through Death Valley in the summertime. So I wanted to get in this race. I thought it was actually a stage race. I thought it was a race where you ran like 20 miles, set up a camp, and then ran 20 miles the next day. I didn't know people ran 100 miles, 135 miles at one time. You know, I, I, I didn't know it was even possible. I, I had never even run a marathon. so. I called the race director up, his name was Chris Costman, and I called him up on a Wednesday, and and this is in November. He said, David, to qualify for my race, you have to do 100 miles, and I said, 100 miles in a calendar year? I I didn't know what was going on. He said, no, 100 miles in 24 hours or less, and I thought that was humanly impossible. He said, so you got to do that in 24 hours or less for me to consider you in my race. He goes, there's a race on Saturday. And I called him up on Wednesday. It was at four days for me to get ready for this race. And I run 10 miles a whole year. And so he said, if you qualify, if, if you do 100 miles, 24 hours or less, I might consider you my race. So four days later, I'm out there in San Diego. And the, and the race was called the San Diego One Day, where you run around a 24 or, or around a one mile track for 24 hours to see how many miles you can get. And so I go out there. I didn't know what I was doing, I had Mileplex and Ritz crackers. And I had a blue lawn chair, it was all I had. And I was gonna see my crew person every single mile. And I was gonna drink Milplex and have a Ritz cracker. They had no water, I had nothing. Went out there, got to mile 20, wasn't feeling too bad. Around mile 30 I started feeling my, sh- my, my shins starting to get extremely sore. And I started to develop stress fractures, shin splints. I started feeling the metatarsals in my feet starting to break at around mile 50. By mile 70, I was totally destroyed. And I sat down in this blue lawn chair, and I was destroyed. And and when a bigger person sits down, I don't know exactly how much I weighed, but I was extremely extremely big, I was a power lifter, lifted a lot of weights, and I was not an endurance athlete by any means. So I sat down in this blue lawn chair, looked at my crew person, and I literally couldn't stand up. I was destroyed. And I couldn't go to the bathroom. I had, I, well, I couldn't stand up to go to the bathroom. So I sat there and I went to the bathroom myself. I was destroyed. And I was turning, I, I was discolored. I was pale. I was dizzy, lightheaded. I was in the worst shape of my entire life. I had been in three hell weeks, ranger school, all these different training programs, and this was the worst situation I've been in my entire life. I thought I was literally dying. And all I could think about was, how can I get out of this chair? I have 30 miles to go. And everything I had gone through, I realized that the human mind, if you can put it in a very quiet, calm place, and get it to calm down and not be so spastic, that you could possibly make this work out for you. How bad, how bad are you really? So I calmed myself down and I had to make this enormous thing small. I had 30 more miles to run and my body was in the worst shape in my entire life. The worst pain I ever felt in my life. So I broke this 30 miles thing down. I broke it down to small chunks. I calmed my mind down. I had to get water. Had to get potassium. Had to get sodium. I had to stop being so dizzy because I had to be able to stand up. So my dizziness went away after about an hour. I was able to stand up now. And I was going around this track at like a 30-some minute mile. And I never get my crew person saying, hey, I got to mile 81. They said, you're not going to make the time. I had 24 hours, and I was going so slow, taking so much time. This is when I realized that the human mind once everything gets connected, once the mind knows you're not going to quit something, it's going to try to find more. It's going to try to give you more. Once it realizes you're not going to take the path of least resistance, you're going to stay here until it's done. My mind and my body and my spirit became one for the first time ever. For the first time ever it became one. And I went to a level that I never thought was humanly possible for myself or anybody else in that shape that I was in, I was able to run 19 miles. And I ran 19 miles, did 100 miles, I actually did one more mile. I did 101 miles in 18 hours and 56 minutes. I'd overcome so many obstacles in my life and this was the final crucible for me. And I got through it and at the end of this race was such clarity to me. And it was just um, the most amazing thing i ever do in my life.